Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. Revolutionizing the way we prevent, detect, and respond to major 21st century health security threats. That sounds all too relevant right now, doesn't it? It's actually verbatim the mission of BARDA's Division of Research, Innovation, and Ventures, or DRIVE, the public-private accelerator network of the Department of Health and Human Services tackling public health areas like sepsis, infectious diseases, and now coronavirus. Director Sandeep Patel brings a wealth of experiences in health innovation and entrepreneurship to the agency, previously having co-founded HHS's Kidney X program and also earning a PhD in physical chemistry, among other things. He discusses the public health approach to innovation and ongoing work the agency is doing using technology. All right, Sandeep, thanks so much for joining us on GovCast. Great to have you today. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. So before we get into your role at BARDA, you have an impressive background at various organizations around the world. I saw, you know, a 3D printing related post in Uganda, for example. Tell me a little bit more about your overall background. Yeah. So I'm a scientist by background and a scientist at heart. And when I was in graduate school, I became really interested in the process by which science turns into products and how it benefits people at the end of the day. So we became really interested in the policy of science and the policy of innovation and the process of making products. And so I started just branching out and exploring different things there and realized there's this whole web and ecosystem and different places to work to kind of help the process along in different ways. And, and so, you know, that's actually how I ended up in government was because, you know, government has such a big role to play in terms of, of innovation and bringing innovation to people. And so, yeah. You definitely kind of have that strong intersection between science and technology. So it's very interesting. How do you approach this in your current role at BARDA? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I I just want to say that I I love being at the intersection of different fields that normally don't interact. I think that's where opportunities lie to improve, to make things better. And so that's why I love jumping around from place to place because I can bring insights from academia into industry, from industry into government. And even within government from, you know, areas outside of health into health. And so I just really appreciate that opportunity. In terms of BARDA, I mean, my role at BARDA is I'm the director of the Division of Research, Innovation and Ventures, or DRIVE, as we like to call ourselves. We're a two-year-old team, now 30 people strong, and, you know, we're really a set of disruptors. And what I really appreciate about the group is that we innovate not only in advancing innovation in health, but really at the intersection of government, science and business. And so we're always sort of trying to improve the process across those three areas. And previously, you, you did some things with Kidney X. You know, what was it like for you to found such a profound ongoing partnership at the agency? Oh, it was so much fun to build Kidney X and then to really get the Advancing American Kidney Health Initiative, which is a presidential level initiative that followed Kidney X really launched as well. You know, what I really appreciated about the experience of Kidney X is that thanks to the advocates in the patient and medical communities, I became aware and it became unambiguously clear to me that there's this huge population in the United States, I mean, 30 million or so, suffering from kidney disease, and they're really not receiving the level of urgent attention and innovation that they deserve. And just to dive into it a little bit, just to give you some examples, the biggest or the most common treatment for those whose kidney fails is being put on dialysis for the rest of your their lives, essentially. But there's a lot of issues with dialysis. You know, being on dialysis means you are likely to have less than five years to live, which is a worse outcome than most cancers. 
being on dialysis means you're receiving a treatment that was invented 50 years ago. Being on dialysis you know, means that we didn't really catch the disease when we should have, which was before their kidneys failed. So for a number of these reasons, I think it was in a space where there was a tremendous amount of opportunity, an opportunity to help people and an opportunity to, to innovate in a space where there wasn't much innovation. So that's why we formed KidneyX. I mean, the, really the goal of KidneyX was to bring breakthrough innovation to a community that hadn't seen it for decades. And what I really appreciated about KidneyX is the approach that we took. So first of all, it was a partnership. We partnered with the American Society of Nephrology. And we had a laser focus on bringing breakthrough innovations to the benefit of patients. So things like an implantable artificial kidney that could displace dialysis and other innovations that could help even the need for dialysis at all. And there's really sort of two things in particular that I appreciated about KidneyX. One was the laser focus on patients, not in some superficial way, but as really a core driver of what we did. And this is not normal in how medical products are built. Patients are often kind of the last group that gets brought into the process. And so we wanted to flip that on its head and say, look, you know, I think everything begins with patients, especially in, in identifying the problems. And so we listened to patients and we let them define the problems that we needed to solve. And they told us they needed to get off of dialysis, right, and kind of live their lives. And so we heard that. And we designed around that. We had patients on our steering committee. We had we required every submitter to have talked to and designed for patients. We even had patients review each and every one of our submissions for KidneyX. And so we really brought that in, which I appreciated. And then the second thing is that we brought together so many siloed and disparate conversations around kidney disease. You know, I think we have this tendency to treat systematic, complex problems like kidney disease with kind of one or two approaches. One is that we're just so overwhelmed by the complexity of it, that we just have these endless conversations about how hard it is, and we end up doing nothing. And two is to treat them as these separate problems, right? So like, you know, it's a research problem, or it's a, a healthcare reimbursement problem, or it's a healthcare delivery problem, or whatever, right? And so these are often completely separate groups of people working on these, and they don't often talk to one another. And, and we saw this in kidney disease, that people were just sort of working on pieces of their own problem. And what I really appreciate about KidneyX is we kind of created this tent where we said, look, we want to solve this big problem, but we need to think about not only research and development and innovation, but we need to think about how we're going to pay for it via insurance, how we're going to look at it through an FDA you know, lens, how we're going to deliver it to patients, how patients are going to you know, benefit from it. And so we really took this cross-cutting approach that, to be honest, I hadn't really seen before within HHS and, and health in, that, in quite that way. So I was really proud to have like sort of blazed that path a little bit with KidneyX, at least in our space. And we've actually seen others kind of take this up after creating it. People are taking very similar approaches right now to mental health, suicide, disease prevention, child and maternal health, disability, and all of these other areas where I think, you know, requires this sort of laser focus on innovation, but also, you know, bringing in different stakeholders to think about different aspects of the process. That's actually a good point. It's something we hear about, especially in the IT offices around agencies, is that it really takes a holistic view to solve a lot of technological issues. You know, sometimes they say, you know, artificial intelligence, oh, it's a IT problem or it's a culture problem or, you know, whatever it is. It's interesting to hear from the health side of things that it's similar, that it takes a team wide approach. So what led you then to drive specifically from KidneyX? Yeah, so I'm I think I'm now passionate about solving as many problems in health as I can. And, you know, that's a tall order and possible to deal with, really. But I think so many people spend their entire lives trying to have positive impact on others in the world. And, you know, just to say this, I feel immensely fortunate that I'm in a position to actually make a difference. And I think the experience with KidneyX and Advancing American Kidney Health 
kind of put that into perspective for me. And so this opportunity came along to lead this new unit, Drive. And I took it because I think Drive is probably one of the most exciting places in government that I've seen. It's a high-impact, high-velocity team. We have just a wonderful array of talent on the team. And what binds us together is a shared sense of profound dissatisfaction with the status quo, right? And a responsibility that we place ourselves to do something about it. And so we're just really a set of innovators trying to break things and build new things on top of that. You always learn when you break things. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? Yes. So where do you see technology impacting the health space most? Take into account everything that you've experienced in your previous roles and posts. Yeah, so I think there's a couple things on this front. This actually reminds me, I was at the Consumer Electronics Show in, in Las Vegas two years ago, and I was walking around you know, the showroom floors where they have the latest sort of gadgets and, and things. Oh man, walking around in person at events. That seems like centuries ago. <laughs> that does seem like a whole different world, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember seeing everything and it was, first of all, it was amazing just to see, you know, the ingenuity of people kind of displayed in that front. But it wasn't sort of lost on me that there was an irony that most of the products there have contributed in many ways to kind of a sedentary lifestyle that leads to a lot of the chronic disease and burden that we're seeing right now. And what was really interesting was that there's a small section in the Instagram kind of show that was around health and wellness products and that, you know, it was a sort of tiny section, right, in this giant space. And so, you know, the same technologies that on the one hand were sort of causing the sedentary behavior were also, you know, we're also using to try to reverse that that we created in the first place. And so that sort of just made me, makes me think that technology by itself doesn't really necessarily prognosticate any particular health benefit and that, you know, we have to be really mindful about what we're trying to achieve in terms of behavior change. I think on an individual, on an organizational, on an industry and a societal level. And the technologies that I find most interesting are the ones that actually help us make healthier choices and creating environments where that's easier. And so I think there's a really interesting trend where that's being thought about more. And so I find that interesting. And and that actually ties back to some of the work we're doing at Drive, which is, you know, we have a whole investment in in areas around utilizing wearable and other sensor-based technologies to try to empower patients to understand their disease and to take action before they often see symptoms and before they often take action. So, you know, whether it's someone who, you know, has flu-like symptoms or COVID-like symptoms to be able to let them know that they might have, you know, something wrong with them before they would normally know. And so I think that's an example of like, you know, how technology could be used to actually drive important, actionable behavior change that matters. Another example I'll just give you or a class of things where I find interesting is that, you know, I think it's often not talked about, you know, I think when we talk about technology and health, we talk about apps and digital technologies and, you know, consumer facing, yeah, that kind of stuff. Right. And I think that's fine. And there's a lot of work in that, but I think one of the most interesting and impactful areas that is sort of behind the scenes on this is how technology is actually improving the process by which we develop new medical products, you know, drugs, devices, other products. You know, whether it's AI to support drug discovery, whether it's process improvement to streamline clinical trials processes, whether it's, you know, improved manufacturing processes. You know, I think these are all things that are fundamentally important to health that you probably won't see on a consumer level, but has that impact. So we're currently in an interesting time during this pandemic. I think as far as health considerations go, it's something that has widely impacted everybody kind of in a similar light. You know, everyone is teleworking, everyone is wearing masks, and everyone is kind of dealing with what's next. Health security also is an ongoing issue. 
Where is Drive impacting the pandemic response? Yeah, great question. So I'm biased, obviously, but you know I think Drive is actually uniquely built to deal with situations like we're currently facing. So you know our job really is to see the future, to anticipate what might be needed, and to start making it happen sooner than it would have otherwise. And I'll give you two examples of what Drive has been doing that has directly impacted the effort thus far. So in 2018, we created this program called ENACT, and I mentioned it earlier, but it's an effort to develop novel sensor-based remote monitoring technologies, you know, including wearables and other kinds of technologies to empower people to take action you know, earlier and empower them really so that we can avoid disease transmission or prevent disease transmission. And so we've pivoted a lot of these technologies actually to COVID-19 specifically, recognizing the need there. Also in 2018, we created a program called Solving Sepsis. Sepsis is a condition, if you don't know, I see it very similar to kidney disease. It's a condition that results in 270,000 deaths each year in the U.S., 1.7 million people affected overall annually, tremendous amounts of costs to the healthcare system. And just to level set, sepsis is a dysregulation of organ function that results often from trauma or infection. And so we like to use the phrase, all roads lead to sepsis which means that sepsis often follows a lot of the issues that we're seeing, including COVID-19. And so we're seeing that severe COVID-19 is in fact sepsis in many cases. And so we've pivoted a lot of our projects to detect and predict sepsis in patients, specifically to COVID, to try to get these capabilities out there. So we could do things like, you know, if somebody tests positive for COVID, to develop capabilities that might allow us to predict whether they're likely to develop severe COVID-19 or a milder version. So hospitals can appropriately triage. Wow, amazing. And do you think public-private partnerships are going to overall impact public health the most? Yeah, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for them. And, you know, just going back to the BARDA model, this is what BARDA is built on, is public-private partnerships. You know, we recognize that, you know, academia, industry, government all have unique capabilities and bring different things to the fight. And that we really have to find ways to align and, and take advantage of what we're good at, respectively. So we really appreciate public-private partnerships as a model, and I think it is something that we have to move forward with. You know, I think one thing that I've noticed is, is in situations like the ones we find ourselves in, you know, everybody wants to help. You know, everybody has something they're bringing to the table, and they all want to help. And I think it's really up to us, up to the system, to figure out a way to channel that energy to productive uses. And I think that's what public-private partnerships are all about. Actually, I'm going to go back real quick to another thing that we're doing within Drive to support the COVID-19 process. And this gets at the innovating in government piece. As part of our backbone, we have what we call the Easy BAA or the Easy Broad Agency Announcement. So this is our contracting solicitation that we use. And it was something that we borrowed from DARPA and we tinkered with it and improved it. And really, it allows us to do rapid, streamlined contracting in a way that's customer friendly so that we're getting to the real decisions as fast as possible. And this is what we use for our normal contracting process. And we pivoted everything to COVID-19 as the emergency hit. And we funded, since we started, that received 491 submissions. We made 30 awards, including 16 diagnostic awards that have led to 10 FDA emergency use authorization for, for tests many of which are point-of-care tests as well. So I think it's really come in handy. It's really validating for us to know that, you know, us trying to improve the process of government has really had an impact in a situation like this already. Wow, that's actually interesting to hear that you've worked with DARPA as well, or at least Drive has. It seems like DARPA is doing a lot of cool things as well. As far as the whole health security issue, what do you see as being the largest issue that government has to tackle? 
Yeah, I think, you know, we've made tremendous strides in making the pace of innovation faster to respond to emergent situations. But I think there's opportunities to get even better at that. And I think that's something going forward that, you know, I think there's some real opportunities on, which is how do we create a system in which we are 80% ready to respond to a specific threat? And, you know, whether it's on-demand manufacturing, whether it's, you know, getting sort of domestic production capabilities, whether it's doing the partnership work beforehand so that we're ready to respond much more quickly and we can develop products that, you know, normally took years to develop and do that within a much shorter time frame. So I think these are really key opportunities, I think, where, you know, going forward, this is going to be something that we can get better at. No easy feat, I'm sure. How can industry get involved with Drive? Yeah, so we we love talking to companies, especially, you know, large and small, anyone with good ideas and a willingness to partner with the government. You know, we want to hear, we have a process where we hear from companies about their capabilities and their interest in working with us. We call it the Tech Watch at BARDA. And if you go to our website, medicalcountermeasures.gov, you can see and sign up for a Tech Watch. We also do separate market research calls within Drive for companies who want to kind of talk to us about their capabilities. We encourage companies to always check our website at Drive too, at drive.hhs.gov for partnership opportunities that we have up. We're always changing them. So we always encourage companies to look at the latest information about what we're looking for. Great. Well, Sandeep, this was really fascinating conversation. I'm sure that we could have talked a lot more about some of these things, but it's very clear that your strong interest in the science and policy and then the innovation side of public health is running rampant at Drive. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of the agency. Yeah, I'm excited as well. I think I will just say that I think the next next few years in health are going to be some of the most transformative we've seen in a long time. So I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity to make things work better. Well, you know, between the whole app economy, the electronic health records, and then it seems like the emerging technology space is growing fast in the past few years that I feel like that's a very true statement. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Sandeep. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you hear, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. GovCast is produced by Amy Kluber. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. Sponsor at